This is Tried and True, the DC United postgame podcast presented by Heineken. And John Lee is here, as always, with Sam Kastner and Joshua Morgan. Michael Black is on vacation this weekend, but we found a pretty suitable guest to fill his seat. It's DC United's Russell Canals. Russell, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, no, it's it's great to have you on and uh, super exciting that we've got a pretty nice Memorial Day weekend that, that we're enjoying here. But, you know, kind of just to start things off, obviously, as things are starting to open back up, it's it's been several months now that we've been living under quarantine conditions. How are you and the family holding up? Yeah, well, th- thanks for asking. That's a good question. Definitely, uh, it's definitely been a tough time um, adjusting kind of everyone, obviously, experiencing the same thing. Some people still um, now getting back into maybe a normal daily life, not not completely yet. But um, for us, it's been okay. My wife's still, uh, still working through this. She's working at Innova Hospital, so she's been kind of going – Sticking with her daily routine for me, it's been adjusting, obviously, to training on my own and trying to maintain my fitness. So whenever we do get back, um, I can get back and be ready to go because uh, it sounds like we're not going to have too much time to ramp it up. But um, yeah, we're doing good. We have our little puppies and keeping us busy as well. Um, so everything's good from our side. Yeah, well, first of all, thank you so much to your wife for working on the front lines and, you know, really seeing us all through this. Um, That was a great transition, though, because we did have a fan question of how's Lola the Frenchie doing? (laughs) Thanks, first of all. And uh, Lola's good. She's she's living life. She's uh, she's a lot of maintenance. I'll tell you that much. But um, (laughs) with her like skin issues and stuff. But no, she's she's doing she's doing really well. That's good to hear. Uh, we, we've been talking to a couple of players and even some of the front office. And, you know, Fred's picked up some arts and crafts. I've seen him painting furniture. And Rory's been biking a lot. Have you picked up any non-soccer-related hobbies uh, in this quarantine? Not, I mean, I'm more – so, like, business is one of my hobbies. So I, I'm always researching and doing a lot of stuff like that, reading a couple books. Um, and I'm, I'm getting cert- trying to get certified as a, as a MAPS business coach, something on the side. But – I mean, that's, I know my wife and I, we did, we did sand, uh, sand down some of our end tables and spray paint them black and stuff. So that was, that was an interesting art art piece, I guess we did on the side, which turned out really well. So. That's awesome. Any, any book recommendations for us? Um, I mean, one of the books that I try to live my life by and it's, really kind of inspired me within my my life and you know the way I I go about every day is is the one thing um I think it's written by Gary Keller and there's another author that co-wrote it but the one thing that's I recommend that book for sure all right good to know thanks I'll look it up yep yep yeah one of the things that you know we've been talking about a lot lately is having the Bundesliga back feels like we're starting to get more and more towards normal life even though it's very very different watching these games without fans in the stands and we're seeing today that you know Fox has started up pipe in crowd noise and stuff but you know you spent a lot of time in your early career in Germany what's it been like you know having the Bundesliga yeah, back and been watching it and and yeah what what can you tell us about your experiences in Germany Yeah, so I, I moved over to Germany at 15, um, all on my own, by myself. So I, I loved it over there. I look back and I have a lot of good memories. Um, lot, even watching the games on TV, like I, I do have good memories and, you know, think back to those days. Um, it was definitely tough 
I'll say adapting to the culture in the you know first few months that you get to a new place you don't speak the language you you're kind of on your own just trying to figure things out but um once I once I started to speak German and and the guys my teammates coaching staff whoever I was interacting with saw that I was trying to adapt to the culture and really give my best I, I I think a lot of people accepted me more um and then speaking the language made everything easier too so I uh I loved it. I lived in Hoffenheim was my, my club team I grew up with. Um, and I actually was close to Heidelberg, which is a beautiful city. If anyone ever gets to go visit Germany, um, definitely recommend Heidelberg. That was my um, school. I went to, took the train every morning about half an hour to, to Heidelberg and went to an international school there. So I have good memories from, from that time and definitely, definitely think about it a lot, but I'm enjoying being back, back in the States and, and being closer to home and playing for DC United, it's, it's awesome. So, yeah, well, we we love seeing you uh, rest the black and red. You know, you were a really exciting signing for us, and then you know you've just kind of shown it on the field ever since. Um, but you know, obviously, you came as um, that more defensive midfielder, and we've seen you transition to right back a little bit. What has that been like for you? Yeah, that's something new. I mean, I've I've played. Um, right back probably three games out of my whole career um so I don't have too much experience but I've actually really you know tried to take it on and learn it um and do the best I can with it I understand the game tactically pretty well so I was able to adjust into it without really knowing the position much or or playing in the position much I was able to adjust that way um but I do like it I do like the the defensive side you know the one we've won one defending building out of the back um I think it's also I played a little try to play it a little bit differently, um, just taking up different positions on the field, sometimes in the three back, sometimes being the wide outside back, sometimes even stepping into a, a more midfield role. And we have kind of a, a an interesting rotation going on on that side. So it's been it's been pretty good. Um, definitely new. And, and I'm actually using this downtime now to continue to work on, you know, what I can get better in that position and no, for more specifically crossing and those types of things, right? Because I haven't done that. I've always been a guy received the ball, turn, play the play the long bar, whatever, whatever the pass, right? So, just trying to use this downtime to get more comfortable in that in that position and and get the reps. We love we love it here, and and it's interesting to us as well. When you're not serving in that role for DC United, you also serve as a the MLS Player Association representative. Uh, can you tell us a little like a little bit of about that process, how you were chosen, what does that entail, and, and if you've enjoyed it? Yeah, so when I when I first got to D.C., I wasn't involved too much because I didn't really um, know too much about the league rules. I, I had an idea, but I just didn't feel comfortable representing the team or even, like, stepping into a role like that yet. also wanted to get to know my teammates more and each player individually. Um, I'm obviously in, in, interested in business and involved in that um, in different aspects, and the uh, team rep kind of has to take the role of the team, obviously in the leader sense, but also getting a, an idea of where every player stands at some of the, obviously we went through the negotiation, the collective bargaining agreement negotiation negotiation last year. So I have to be the guy that passes a lot of the information on the team gets kind of the sense of what they're thinking and then going and voting on, on certain topics. Um, we're going through, something like that kind of right now with 
with um, all the player cuts and, you know, possible return to play stuff. So it's a, it's a role I enjoy um, being able to support the players and really move this league forward. And um, I'm super glad that I've had the opportunity to kind of move into that role with, with the team and represent, represent our team. Well, no, that's super exciting to hear. And it sounds like a really cool opportunity to, to serve the whole team. You know, we, we've talked a lot on the show about, you know, what a return to play might look like. And, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of things that you can't talk about, but from your perspective, you know, when did we get back uh, to play? Like, do you hope that that's something that, you know, we're able to do at least in the local cities and, and perhaps behind closed doors, or would you be interested in one of the tournament style things that's being thrown around? I mean, there's just so many variables to consider. I'm sure it's a lot. Yeah. Look, I'll, I'll say this. I mean, everyone I've talked to wants to get back on the field, right? That's, uh, we make our money obviously playing and we're not able to play, but it's, it's more than that. It's, that's what we love doing. We love playing. We love being competitive in that sense and getting out in front of fans even more specifically. Now we know that that's not really a possibility um, right now. And we can't see into the future of how, how long this will go on, but we do know, you know, we want to get back out and playing. Now with that said, I think, you know, every guy does prefer playing in our own markets. That's that's plain and simple. I mean, that you know, we don't love the idea of being away from families too often, but at the same time, we do know we need to figure out a way to get back and playing, and that's that's obviously an option that's on the table right now. Um, it's there's a lot of things that need to go, uh, I'll say, in the right direction or need to be thought out even more than they have to make that work this the tournament style type things but we we all want to get back to playing and that's that's the goal um behind this i think from the league side and also from the player side so if we can figure out a way to do that and get get soccer back on tv and get the fans engaged more than just us being on our social media then um hopefully we can make that happen soon no that that's great to hear and we like we like we said at the beginning, we really appreciate you taking the time to, to, to talk to us today. And, of course, we miss you guys, but we know that, you know, player safety and everything is, is of course, the most important. From your perspective, when these games potentially return, if they do, like, a tournament-style thing, do you have any thoughts of, like, would you want those games to count towards the regular season? Would you want it to be a one-off tournament with potentially, like, some sort of prize or you just want to hopefully get back to playing no matter what and under the right conditions at some point do you have any thoughts on that i think your last point was the mo- like getting back to playing under the right conditions i think that's that's important um i mean i think if we do do a tournament style it could possibly be um counted towards this regular season because obviously we all have the hope to to play in our markets and that's what that's what we want to do right um and have an have and have as most uh, a normal season as as possible. So, I think I think just getting back to playing. I mean, you know, we're we're d- discussing a lot of different options with the league right now, and um, there's a lot of different opinions involved. And like I said, I just hope collectively we can kind of figure something out that is not just best for us. It's best for the fans, best for the league. It's you know, obviously best for the players as well and making the players feel comfortable in, in whatever situation we are put in um, and the safety piece of it as well. So, Yeah, well, I mean, thank you. I agree. You know, we all obviously want you on the field and it sounds like you um, 
in your role as the player rep, you know, you really have kind of an elevated role um, in making that happen with DC United. So, you know, thank you for your work in that. Um, but kind of looking off the field, you know, you've mentioned a little bit during this interview that you're really into business. Um, you know, we all know that you recently um, got your license to sell houses. So, you know, looking into the future, um, potentially after a soccer career, you know, what are you thinking about? I don't know. I mean, there's, there's so many different avenues I could go. I just always am looking, you know, obviously ways to advance myself now from a business sense during my career, but also, I mean, I, I, I know my priority, my hundred percent focus is always going to be on soccer. What I do on the side is, is more of a hobby. Um, but I mean, like you said, I, I got my license. I don't know what I'm going to do with it yet. I know I want to build my own real estate portfolio. So I know the least I can get out of that is to um, to help myself on that side and just learn the business because it's something I'm interested in. Um, I'm also involved in some e-commerce stuff. So it's there, there's a whole different bunch of avenues I could go. I also, after my career, I do see myself possibly staying in the in soccer, um, whatever that whatever that may be, uh, whatever role, whether it's coaching, um, the agency side of it. I, I don't know. I mean, I leave, I'm going to probably leave that open till the end of my career. I'm still, I have hopefully years to be able to still play and think about all those things, but, um, I'm always a guy that likes to plan ahead and make sure I have all my ducks in a line. And so when I get to that point, I can transition into it smoothly and, uh, so super tough question to answer right now, but definitely all the, you know, all the things I'm doing now are things I'm interested in and I could see myself moving into afterwards. I'll say that. We we love to hear it. Uh, you're, you're a bit of a fan favorite. So maybe, maybe a spot in the front office will open up for you when you're yeah. playing. <laughs> Every, everything's um, but, open, man. Yeah. Uh, we'd love to hear it. But our last question, this is something we do for every guest. We, we put you 30 seconds on the clock to give us your pitch for why we should get a Russell Canals jersey. Yeah, uh, oh, that's a tough one. All right. Um, well, first of all, if you get a Russell Canals jersey and you put, show it to me, I'm definitely going to sign it. Um, I love oh, wow. going after the games um, and really just thanking the fans. That's always been important to me. Uh, growing up, coming down to D.C. DC to watch games at RFK and, and now being able to play for that club and for the club I support as a kid is super, super awesome. So I always try to make sure I, I um, go around and say thank you to the fans and the people with my jersey, obviously will get a little bit more love because they went out there and spent their, their hard earned money to get it. So um, yeah, get, go get my jersey. I love the support. I, and I'm, I'm super blessed to have all the fans, not just the fans of my jersey. So thank you guys. Thanks for having me on too. Oh, that's a that's a solid pitch, Russell, and thank you so much for for taking the time. We know we've seen you come to the supporters section after a, a number of games and 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 shake hands with a lot of us, and it it does mean the world to us as fans. Uh, you know, when yeah. Players take the Even time. though games that haven't gone well, right? <laughs> those are the <laughs> hardest ones to come over. Hey, that that's what matters the, the most, though, right? But yep, awesome. Well, thanks so much for for joining us today. That's DC United's Russell Canals here on Tried and True, the DC United post game podcast presented by Heineken. We're going to throw it to break, and we'll break down uh, what some of the Bundesliga actions look like this week. Talk a bit more about the European leagues coming back and maybe even dive into some MLS rumors about coming back. So stay with us. We'll be right back. Tried and True, the DC United postgame podcast presented by Heineken. We'll be back in less than two minutes. Can't listen to us live on YouTube? 
Find Tried and True, the DC United postgame podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, YouTube, or Pocket Casts the morning after the match. Tried and True, the DC United postgame podcast presented by Heineken. We'll be back in less than 90 seconds. Hey, thanks for listening live. If you want to join the conversation, let us know what you think in real time using the chat on YouTube Live, on Twitter using the hashtag TriedAndTrueDCU, or text us at 202-892-6328. Tried and True, the DC United postgame podcast presented by Heineken. We'll be back in less than 60 seconds. Let us know what you think between games on Twitter at hashtag TriedAndTrueDCU or email us at TriedAndTrueDCU at gmail.com. Tried and True, the DC United postgame podcast presented by Heineken will be back in less than 30 seconds. Hey, thanks for listening. If you like what you hear, go ahead and give us a follow on social media. You can find us on Instagram or Twitter at TriedAndTrueDCU. Again, that's Instagram or Twitter at TriedAndTrueDCU. And we're back here on Tried and True, the DC United postgame podcast presented by Heineken. Great time talking to Russell Knauss there. Really some revealing some insights into what, what's on the players' minds, at least, as we potentially return to action. And uh, it, the plot thickens, really, when it comes to MLS coming back, right? I mean, it's it's so exciting to hear from the player perspective that they really want to get back out there. That's been consistent across the board. But we've talked about it before. There's just so many variables that you have to consider and, and – uh, I'm glad that we're not in a position to have to do that. We just have to sit here and hope that it comes back soon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like the players are kind of in that position as well. You know, they're hoping it comes back soon. Obviously, you know, it's it's their lives and their livelihood. Um, so it's a little bit probably more stressful for them. You know, the factors, you know, of going to Orlando, spending 10 weeks there, staying in the market, not being able to play for longer, you know, all those things obviously impact them a little more, but it sounds like, you know, there's a piece of them who are better also like, oh, can we just get back on the field, man? Like, come on. Yeah. And speaking of being back on the field, it was a bad week for all of our Bundesliga teams. Sam kind of sitting in the, sitting pretty without a, without attached to a team yet, but boy, everybody took a dive. Schalke looked terrible this morning. Gladbach looked bad yesterday. Wolfsburg lost too. It's just not a good, uh, not a good go. Yeah, are you so glad to have soccer back in <laughs> the misery that comes with it? I'm just, I'm just gonna join Team Chaos and hope like Dortmund beat Bayern and then bought, they both bottle the rest of the season. I just hope the craziness happens so that I get to watch because Schalke are not fun to watch. <laughs> yeah. I'm all in on on Team Chaos, but you know, it it, it was a home game, quote unquote, for uh, 
for Gladbach over the weekend and just losing a big game at home. It just something felt right about like, that's my team. You know, that's, <laughs> <laughs> but Tuesday is their classicer. Uh, Dortmund Bayern. Uh, it's, it's in Dortmund. Not that it really matters, but that's at 1230 Eastern. Um, so extended lunch break, early happy hour or whatever. <laughs> uh, but that's, that's gotta be the biggest game of the season at this point. Um, flipping at the standings right now, four points, uh, Bayern have on Dortmund so if Dortmund can win it's a one point one point title race but if 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 Bayern pull it off it could be over yeah and it'll it'll be interesting you know that's a that's the derby over there it's always one fans get up for and it's kind of interesting today they had on the Fox channel they had pipes fan fan noises crowd noises into the game Uh, so it'll definitely be missing for that game I wonder if they'll They'll pipe it in again. How do you feel about it, John? Well, we said it was in, into the broadcast, right? It's not into the stadium, or yeah, that's yeah. right. It's uh, so I, I guess the world feed, which is what Fox continues to use instead of you know doing anything to try to enhance the viewing experience here in the U.S., they're just pulling the world feed. And uh, I guess the Bundesliga added that option. So if you're pulling the world feed, you can either do it with or without crowd noise. I, I saw on Twitter that BT Sport that has the Bundesliga rights in England has opted not to do it thus far. And Fox, it sounds like, started it at some point either yesterday or uh, or today. It's weird. I mean, it, it, it sounds almost like you're playing FIFA because it, there's no, like, real coherent, like, chanting or anything going on. It's just kind of, like, audible crowd noise. Um, I have not been able to watch a game long enough to see if they, like, jack up the sound when a goal happens or anything to, like, try – or is it just, like – Oh, no, no. It, ambient crowd your, noise. Your left back belts one out of bounds, and the crowd is still just cheering. There's no, like, negative <laughs> feed for it all. It's really – it's kind of off-putting. So you, you just get scored on, and the crowd still just, like – raging <laughs> yeah i mean they did not have the crowd noise piped in yesterday during the gladbach game which was interesting because that's the stadium where they have like fifteen thousand, like you know cardboard cutouts of the fans and so there's no crowd noise there but like every once in a while it would be at a camera angle and you're like oh there's a bunch of people down there and then it's like no they're not they're just cardboard cutouts but then now like the game that happens to be on right now cologne dusseldorf there's clearly no one in the stands and yet you've got all of this crowd noise so it's uh, it, it's just weird. <laughs> yeah, I think um, I saw um, an interview with one of the players too, um, and they were kind of saying that it was one of the players who played in that game, and they were saying that if you looked up for like a second or two and you weren't really like thinking about it, it felt like there were people there. Um, so I know we're gonna get to it in a little bit, but it'd be interesting, like if MLS decides to do that. Um, I think they sold those little standouts right so fans had to buy them they did yeah and i think it was like 20 euros but a lot of the proceeds went to like helping first responders and fighting covid and stuff like it wasn't like just a money-making scheme for the team um yeah i I, i'm very curious to see like if we play at audi field again you know what does what does united do do we see some of the banners come back out do we see just total emptiness like do they do they try to do anything because they got fancy at the end of last season unfortunately we didn't have any night games this year but with like the goal celebrations with the lights and things like that was pretty cool yeah i i think i'd like i like the way the cutouts looked and that it was way better than like the korean league that put like balls in the, <laughs> in the stand uh, yeah that's very very weird <laughs> uh but it looked kind of cool and, and like sam said players said for a second it looked like there was actual people there i i would i would submit a picture for a cutout at audi field i would submit Absolutely. like 12 for some of my friends 
Yeah, I'm, I'm all in, especially if they're they're willing to give the money to the, the, the folks on the front lines and things like that. That was that was really cool. And, and also really cool, I was not aware that uh, Russell Knauss' wife or wife, fiance, um, is a nurse. That was cool. I, I, was not, I was not tracking that. Yeah, same. So, again, thank you to her for, you know, doing that work for us. Absolutely. And so staying in, in, uh, in Europe for the moment – the Premier League still can't get it together, but they're getting closer and closer to a mid-June restart, which would be nice. They had a bunch of tests last week, very, very low positive rates, which was good. And if they continue to do the social distancing thing, and um, hopefully it stays that way. Um, but there was a, a report in, in the Daily Mail, so take it or leave it, uh, that came out today that showed from a study there's basically no home field advantage without fans. And I I think we talked a little bit about this last week, and I was surprised that they had a commissioner report to, to come back with the data. But basically, it, it said that you know home teams winning games at home at, at almost a fifty percent rate. It was like upper forties, and then when you remove fans, it's down to like thirty four percent. Which, if you consider win loss draw, that's like right down the middle. Um, but the the, port, the report, at least in the Daily Mail, was very much kind of designed to say all this bickering about neutral site versus games at the real stadiums like does it really matter and and we talked a lot about that last week of like yeah i don't really think it matters and it was just kind of timely to see that that this morning yeah i i normally choose to leave it as for uh, as opposed to take it with a daily mail and i kind of wonder where where did they get the, what's the sample size for this study that he did there's only been a couple of weeks of games without fans and none of them have been in england as far as i'm aware so i don't know i don't know where you get that from and Maybe they're right. Maybe the fans are the big factor with home field advantage, but I feel like there's there's so many other things that could contribute. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, tra- and travel being obviously a big one that England a lot smaller than the U.S. and Germany and some other countries, but um, yeah, I think travel is definitely a, a variable as well. One of the things that's tangentially related to a return to play, uh, N'Golo Conte, former Leicester City great, current Chelsea player, uh, is planning to skip the return to play under the current circumstances due to concerns about coronavirus. And he was taking a lot of heat on Twitter, like seemingly everybody does with an opinion nowadays. But what you got, what's interesting about Conte is that his brother actually passed away due to a heart attack just before the World Cup, which was tragic. And uh, N'Golo Conte himself has fainted in practice before due to heart conditions. So it's not surprising when you read, you know, kind of a little bit more of their story that, yeah, he almost – certainly is in a high-risk category, and you can't blame him for not wanting to, you know, put himself in a situation like this. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting. You know, I don't know of many players in the Bundesliga who decided not to play, but I've heard and, you know, read a couple different accounts of um, English Premier League players saying that they would feel really uncomfortable playing. Um, I don't remember who the player was, but I think that one of them had just had a baby um, who was having some health issues, and he was obviously very concerned about, you know, exposing um, his child to anything that might affect his health. Um, And, you know, likewise, I haven't really seen a whole lot in MLS in regards to players deciding they're not going to play. You know, that might be because there hasn't, there has not officially been a call to say like, okay, everyone is traveling to Orlando or everyone is, you know, training in their markets. But I think it's bound to happen, right? I mean, I don't know. It's hard. You know, this is their job, but it's also their health. And, you know, can you really blame someone 
you know, all the three of us are working remote now, you know, how would we feel if our bosses were like, you absolutely have to go into work or there will be consequences. Like that doesn't feel fair. So it'll be interesting to see how it comes out as we keep going. Yeah, that was Watford captain, uh, Troy Matthew Denny, who was talking about uh, coming home to his son. And yeah, and I think that's, we just got to listen to Russell Canals, a player rep for MLSPA, talk about it. And he seemed to put a lot of, you know, a lot of emphasis on it has to be the right scenario. So I, I wonder what the players want. Do they want to bring their families down to the, to the, maybe Orlando or whatever offsite location that they're all going to be playing at? Or do they want to be going home every day? I don't know. It, it seems a pretty hard task to get all the players on, on, on board with one solution for this re- really serious problem. And I don't blame players at all for, for being afraid to come back. And I, you know, as, as much of a difference a player like you know, Conte would make or, you know, we'll see what players in MLS feel the same way. You, you can't you can't blame them. In it. And I'm saddened that people on Twitter are coming out. But that's just, you know, Twitter is a terrible place anyway. But, man, uh, it's going to be tough. And, and we'll see how this all shakes out. Yeah, I mean, not all players have that option. Like we've already said, Russell's wife, you know, she works in the healthcare system. She can't just up and leave, you know, and you have players like, Burnbaum, who just had a baby, is he going to want her to travel? And then, you know, Russell's wife just announced their pregnancy. So again, are you going to want to expose her to all these like potential diseases when it comes to travel? Like, but then you also have the players who are single or living with other players. And, you know, that's not that it affects them less so, but it definitely affects them differently. And they might not have that second thought of being with family because, you know, they're already potentially living away from their family. So I don't know that it's going to be able to be a blanket statement but then if firm bombs like my wife and child have to come our other players going to be like well that's another person who could expose it like there's just so much to this problem yeah so let's let's dive into to the disney plan again you know we we talked a little bit about it um with russell earlier but there was a lot of reporting this week in the athletic about what we could expect what's what's likely coming forward um and and obviously there's a lot still in motion but the good news is for everybody that was concerned, there is a tagline already planned for this. It's called, they're going to apparently call the tournament MLS is back. So really put a lot of, a lot of thought into that. I, I was hoping they would have played on, you know, all the expansion teams and done MLS to Disney or something that, you know, I've been trying to push from my social accounts, but apparently we're going to, we've settled on MLS is back uh, as potentially what the tournament would be called. I don't think that's going to stop you. <laughs> it won't. It absolutely won't. Um, but we we did talk last week a lot about how these groups could could be done, and it sounds like for the most part we nailed it. Um, there, are, it, it sounds like the proposal right now: four groups, uh, six teams in three of the groups. One Eastern Conference group would actually have eight squads, so it's interesting. Um, Nashville would be probably the first team to play in multiple conferences within the same season. <laughs> they started in the West and now they do in the East uh, under, under this scenario is, is what we're hearing. Um, so that would leave the East with uh, 14 teams for 2020 and the West with 12. Um, so it sounds like each team would play five games uh, in, in sort of the, the round robin group stage type thing, which I don't know how that works for the, the larger eight team group, but who knows? Um, and then potentially the knockout rounds maybe don't count towards regular season standings, just the regular rounds do. I, I don't know if they've sorted all that out. Um, but then the idea would be once this is done, we move back to some form of playing games in stadiums behind closed doors. 
the, like we said, those five uh, group stage games would count towards the standings, and then an unprecedented nine teams from each conference would advance to the 2020 MLS playoffs, and and we would potentially have an MLS Cup. So, guys, what what are, what are your thoughts? I I think we nailed it because this is the most common sense approach. I would like to think that our podcast normally goes with common sense, and and I feel like this is the most fair thing they could have done. You're breaking teams down into the conferences, you know, so that if we can go back to the regular season, and they seem pretty, pretty headstrong on coming back to a regular season in market, that you don't have to travel as far. So that that's the reason National is being moved over to the Eastern Conference because it didn't make sense for them to be in the West anyway, but they did it for balancing. Uh, but you know that limits travel. So and, and then you're playing, you're just playing these games in Orlando instead of in your empty stadium at home. And so for a regular season, it's just like a neutral site for these five games uh, in your group. And then the, the, the tournament part is, I guess, just for fun or maybe for cash. It'll be interesting. I hope, I hope it's Conquer for champs a fourth bid, maybe. designated player. <laughs> I, I hope it's for a fourth designated player. You can just have a free <laughs> player. That'd be so interesting. You get Daniel Sturridge if you win the yeah. tournament. Like, <laughs> I was going to say, it has roster. to be Sturridge, though. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so that'll be fun. And I'll watch the group stages because that apparently now matters. And, and I was harping on that last week that these games have to matter for fans and for players and, and for the league to have some integrity. But then I guess the tournament will just be fun. And, uh, and I'll hopefully get to see how far DC United goes. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've obviously been very <laughs> outspoken about this. And a lot of times it felt like on, on different sides to me all, but I think that this does make the best sense and like the basis of my argument was that these games you know need to mean something but they don't need to mean everything and that's what this feels like it feels like they're going to be meaningful games you know and they're going to count towards the regular season and then we're going back to regular season and the MLS Cup will still be separate and like obviously it's not going to look like it does every other season um, but I think this is them trying their best to get back to as regular as possible which you know, I appreciate, um, and it, it will be interesting to see, you know, what these, you know, tournament games mean in Orlando. Um, I was reading something, you know, and that was one of the Players Association's big things is that they're going to go to Orlando for 10 weeks and not see their family and basically sit in a hotel room by themselves for an extended period of time. You know, the games obviously have to mean something. They can't just be friendlies. Um, but I think you're right. I think it's essentially just like playing at a neutral site and, you know, you're letting the entire country, you know, that's giving everybody an additional two plus months to calm down a little bit, you know, in terms of like getting regulations in check. And, you know, obviously if we're all going back to our cities, you know, that's going to involve travel. Obviously that's something that's going to have to be determined because I'm sure that every player is not going to voluntarily, you know, get on a commercial plane. Um, so that might be, you know, another thing that they're trying to navigate. But I do think that this is probably one of the best solutions that that could have been come up with. Yeah, and hopefully we get more and more details here in the coming weeks because, as as we've said in many of these situations, time's of the essence here. You know, if they want to get a jump on training before games come back, and Russell alluded to that earlier, of like, we might not have a whole lot of time to get ramped up for games to start, but. It, 
we mentioned there's a lot of players with concerns about this. I mean, Vela, Chicharito, and Nani have all kind of specifically said, like, eh, we're not really a big fan of this idea. And uh, I think it was an interview with Taylor Twelman, Alejandro Bedoyas, <laughs> called being in Disney like being in a luxurious prison, which is quite damning uh, <laughs> to Disney. But I get what he's saying. You know, if you're if you're trapped in a, in a luxury resort for you know, two months, uh, the novelty is going to wear off real soon. You're going to start missing your family. Right. Um, and you can't go anywhere. Uh, so, so that's, it's, there's no question that, that this is going to be tough. You know, the, um, I believe it's a report here from Jeff Reuter, uh, in the athletic broke a ton of details down. Um, so we'll, we'll share out that link, but basically got one of the proposals from the league that really comes down to all the numbers about testing and team delegations and all those things. Each club gets less than 50 people to go down. Uh, it specifically says between 45 and 47, which is really precise. Um, and you've got to spend at least five calendar days in your club's market before traveling to Orlando. Uh, it does sound like anybody can leave. You just can't really come back, which we talked about before. But I think the most interesting thing from the fan perspective here is if this is a reality, it's hot in Orlando, like, all summer long. And the league knows that. And so in order to try to avoid that problem, matches would be at either 8 p.m., 10.30 p.m., or 9 a.m., which is wow. wild. Um, that's going to feel just like a, you know getting up early to watch a, a European game at, at 9 a.m., but it does make sense. You know, you'd be avoiding the, the hottest part of the day, um, but wow. Yeah, I mean, that's so interesting thinking about, you know, these are professional players who play their games at earliest at like what 12 30 so the last time that they probably woke up and went straight onto the pitch is like in high school right like there's so much you know players have such a routine of like their daily you know even between like the mid games and the evening games they have a set routine and they wake up and they do this and you know they eat this and they stretch in this way so suddenly asking players to wake up at 9 a.m like wow i mean it's you got to do what you got to do and I think at the end of the day, like we're just acknowledging that this is a bigger ask of people. Like, you know, their job is to play soccer, but this is a bigger ask of them. And you know, that's that'll be so interesting to like see all the like the Instagram photos of people like pillow fighting to get out of bed. Hey, we got a game going on. As fans, we just got to shift our workday to you know eleven to seven. That way, you can watch the early game, <laughs> put in a full day's work, and then watch the two night games. I, yeah, it's really interesting to me that they would do something that early. I it kind of seems like a little bit more emphasis on the international market. Maybe they feel like they can get the jump on that with the early games. If it were me, I'd do it like college football and start at prime time and go until one o'clock in the morning because why not? The players can be up for that. And and you're going to get most of the U S market because you know the West coast is, you know, four or five hours behind where most of the, the people here. Um, so it's interesting to see. I wonder if they're going for that international market. We we do have some friends from the UK that watch, and and John, you've been over there, and you say that you know sometimes they turn it on as a joke, but maybe this is a chance to get get that market a little bit. Yeah, and it's almost certainly going to be Eastern Conference teams in that in that nine a.m. window <laughs> because you look at LA, you know, Pacific time out there. That's six a.m. I mean, that's brutal for those fans. I'm sure they would say, you know what, we're just we're not going to do that to them, um, but. One of the more fascinating parts of this is that they could potentially secure these windows for two, three weeks straight on national TV, and 
you've got MLS on daily, whether that's ESPN, which likely be the leader if it's at ESPN's Wide World of Sports, but you know, we don't know what's going to happen with the Fox and Univision partnerships, but being able to have all these games potentially televised nationally would be huge for the league. And Sam, there is good news for you um, that did confirm that video review technology would be part of the setup in Orlando. So I just I know you were going to be potentially concerned so that mean. that wouldn't happen, but they're gonna they're gonna make sure that it's there. You're a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> Man. The the only other thing that, that stuck out to me, guys, in here is that uh, roster game day rosters would actually be up to twenty three players instead of the normal eighteen. So just affording a little bit more flexibility, whether that's a positive test in the morning and you got to go down a person, or just playing so many games in such a short window, you know, you've got your five five substitutes, so now you've got twelve spots on the bench to pull from. I mean, we will use the stuff. I don't know. I. <laughs> we've talked to a bunch of the youth players and they uh, they all tell us how they're being told to be patient and this would be a big opportunity with five subs and then 23 man bench and games every day that's literally what they do at the youth levels to get them up and ready so i don't know it'd be interesting i, I would love to see kevin Perretta is tearing it up uh on espn yeah yeah it would be interesting i think there are my goodness, there's so many factors. I mean, we like all talk about it off air, and then we get on here, and you know, we try to be really technical and break it all down, and you know, be really thorough. But my goodness, there's so many factors. Yeah, and and you know, kind of a good good segue here. Paul Bain on our YouTube channel just commented, you know, we we all want everyone to be safe, but we can't wait to get soccer back. And it sounds like the players are in the same boat. And and like we said before, it's just it's it's refreshing to hear that you know the players are craving the return as much as we are, and. You know, like Russell said, we just got to find out the right, safe way to, to make it happen, and 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 we'll all be thrilled the day uh, the day DC United kick off again. But in the meantime, we've been talking about it for a few weeks on the show, um, and we're we're almost set to launch our our FIFA tournament. Um, big news is that um, Kevin Paredes is actually going to be able to play the winner live uh, next Saturday. So the, the tournament will be taking place this week. We're going to drop the bracket here uh, either tonight or tomorrow. We're just cleaning up the last couple things and, and making sure we got a nice even number of players. But, boy, I almost don't want to win now because I don't want to lose 10-0 to Kevin. <laughs> Same. I know Joshua feels differently. <laughs> I I don't know. He he was talking about ten nil against someone who didn't know the, know the control. So I mean, if Kevin, if you're hearing this, the trash talk has started. I, yeah, I'm here. <laughs> I'm here. We'll see. We'll see. Uh, I think we got some, some good guys uh, and girls in the tournament, and we'll see if if we can give him a run for his money. He definitely uh, talked up his game when he was on the show. Yeah, it'll be um, I don't know. It'll be fun. I don't play FIFA. It'll be fun. Maybe we'll get him to play you just to see if you're better than Bill. Like, if you can keep it under 10, Sam, like, you know, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> oh, man, I'm probably embarrassing because it probably won't happen. When Joshua and I play, I'm consistently like, which button's the pass buttons? I don't know if I would actually be better than Bill. I'm definitely going to have to practice up probably all day today. We can put you on two buttons. Pardon? I said we could put you on two button if you played with, with two button. It's like a it's like a game mode where there's only pass and shoot. You can't do anything. Oh, no. 
reduces the controls, we'll see, but also makes it harder to do what you want in the game. So it's kind of a trade-off. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. I'll, I'll do all the practicing tonight and let you all know. Well, it's going to be a fun show next weekend was we sort out the details of how we're going to stream that and have a post-game show and, and see if uh, see if our, our tournament winner can knock off Kevin. Um, it's a lot of smack talk, so I'm, I'm looking, forward to, <laughs> looking forward to seeing how it plays out. You guys got anything else for this week? I'm good. I'm, I'm glad to have soccer back. I'm glad to talk to people who are trying to get MLS back. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I never would have thought we'd be in week 11 of this, but, um, you know, I appreciate that we're, we're still trying to go strong and, you know, a lot of our counterparts around um, DC United are still going strong and, you know, I just appreciate chatting with them and everyone's keeping morale up and hopefully it'll be back sooner rather than later. We're getting through it. So for everybody who's listening today, enjoy the rest of your Memorial Day weekend. Stay safe out there, and hopefully D.C. will be reopening into Phase 1 next week, which is super, super exciting. And uh, we'll be back next week to break down the FIFA tournament. But but for now, we'll throw it to Bobby Wine and call it a wrap. Uh, So thanks for joining us on Tried and True, the D.C. United postgame podcast presented by Heineken. The bad news is that everyone is a potential victim. But the good news is that everyone is a potential solution. Sensitize the masses to sanitize. Keep a social distance and quarantine. Stop! The coronavirus is sweeping over mankind. Everybody must be alert. It's a global pandemic we can never take for granted. Wash your hands, keep a distance from everyone. Report anything like a simple tomb. Serious fever is a simple tomb. Dry cough is a simple tomb. Walk with Tamala is a simple